41, the moon is full. You make love very well. You touch me like I touch myself. I like you, mademoiselle. There's nothing I would rather do. They move around just like this. But do I have to dance all night? Do I have to dance all night? Who tell me bird of paradise? Do I have to dance all night? Hello, and welcome back to Lenny and Coco, the Leonard Cohen podcast. I'm your host, Ned. And I'm your host, Kinley. How are you doing tonight, Kinley? I'm doing very well. How about you? Great. I'm doing good. Excellent. Uh, So if you're just joining us for the first time, or if you need a reminder, this is the podcast where I, uh, self-proclaimed Leonard Cohen expert, uh, share my love of the man with my friend, Kinley. Yes. That's right. We're going through every album. From start to finish, and we're going to hit a lot of just uh, little sidetracks on the way. Excellent. It's going to be great. So we've done the first two. We mm-hmm. did Songs of Leonard Cohen, which was great. We did yes. Songs from a Room, also great. Yep. Uh, today we've got the third album, Songs of Love and Hate. Yes, we do. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? We should have given a content warning, or I should have given you a content warning, maybe. Oh, that's 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 thoughtful of you. I, I was I was okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but like I I see why this is definitely a this one gets darker. Yeah, this is a down. This is yeah. Leonard Cohen they call him like people call him uh, just the poet of depression or whatever. <laughs> people always uh, just think he's always been depressing. Yeah, it's not true. But this time around, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit true. Yeah, yeah. Sounds nice though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a good sound. Yeah. So, yeah, if you couldn't tell, at this point, Leonard Cohen's a little bit depressed. Mm. The last album, Songs from a Room, came out to much the same reaction as the first one I had, I think. Uh, did well in the UK and Europe. Yeah. And not so well in America. Hmm. Not so well in Canada either. Okay. It's, Canada kind of follows America. What, do you have a theory as to, like, what would you attribute that to? Well, I mean, it sounds uh, too obvious, maybe, but it's just, uh, it's music for smart and cultured people. (laughs) I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't necessarily explain why even the music press in America is harder on Leonard Cohen. Right. So I don't know. Hmm. A mysterious cultural difference that we'll have to try to get to the bottom of. Yeah. He has a lot of songs in 3-4 time. Europeans like that more than Americans do. Are, are you are I you think. just making this up or is that is that a known thing? I mean, you know, American music, rock and roll, hip hop, disco. Yeah. It's 4-4. Four, four. A lot of 4-4. Four, four. Mm-hmm. French people? <laughs> they can only count to 3, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. They love a waltz. They just waltz. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh anyway, <laughs> so after Songs from a Room came out, Columbia Records is uh, pushing Leonard Cohen to go on tour in Europe because that's where they sell the records. And he doesn't really want to go. He doesn't really want to tour. Mm-hmm. It seems tough 
and grueling and he doesn't like going where people tell him to go. So he says he'll only go if Bob Johnston, the producer from Songs from a Room, uh, plays keyboard in his touring band. And he's thinking that Columbia would never send their top producer on the road for months at a time. Uh-huh. But I guess Leonard wasn't keeping up with his friends very well at the time because Bob Johnston had actually just quit to go <gasps> independent. Uh-uh. <laughs> and the idea of touring Europe on his former boss's time sounded great to him. <laughs> so oh, he my said, God. Yes, Leonard, that sounds great. Let's do it. And they get the session musicians from Songs from a Room back together. Cool. They add a couple of backup singers and they call themselves the Army. Oh. Um, partly because Leonard wore a safari suit every show. Like he's some kind of British general. Really? Yeah. Um, the tour sounds pretty wild. The recordings from it are not very extreme, but I guess that's just the kind of music that we're getting from Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. But like he was doing acid or a drug called Mandrax basically every night. What is that? Uh, some kind of downer. Oh. A calmer. Okay. Calmer downer. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting up to all sorts of antics, like a concert in Germany. He's impersonating Nazi speeches. Wow. Uh, the audience didn't like that one. No. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine they wouldn't. Charlie Daniels, one of the band members, even threatened to go home because uh, he didn't want to get shot for Leonard Cohen's sake. And it took the whole rest of the band to convince him to stay. Wow. But stay he did. Um, they kept going around. They had a festival in France, which, like all the big festivals of the time, apparently had way more audience than it could handle or was expecting. And the band got stuck in a traffic jam on the way. But they were staying at an inn the night before that had a bunch of horses. And Bob Johnston uh, went and talked to the innkeeper and no. snagged a couple of horses for the band. You're kidding. And they rode down the road past all the cars that were stuck. And they rode right, right to the concert. And literally right on stage, Leonard Cohen rode his horse on stage. No way. Yeah. Um, the fans uh, didn't like it, though. <laughs> oh, These God. French people, they thought he was uh, showboating, I guess. Um, I mean, I, uh, they, I, they, I... They also were mad about the tickets costing too much and mm-hmm. said he was a capitalist. I don't know. Okay. Um, but ride a horse onto a stage, he did. Incredible. I love that. He was on his way to another huge festival at the Isle of Wight, uh, which is a very famous music festival. Bob Dylan played there, lots of others. And before they went there, though, Leonard had the idea to play a concert at a mental hospital. Oh, wow. Um, This idea just seemed to come to him, but he got very interested in it. They did a few of them uh, in various places in the world. A few years later, an interviewer asked him why he wanted to do this, uh, and his answer has some... Very typical boomer or pre-boomer ideas about mental health, I think. But it's kind of interesting nonetheless. Go on. He says, The experience of a lot of people in mental hospitals would especially qualify them to be a receptive audience for my work. In a sense, when someone consents to go into a mental hospital or is committed, he has already acknowledged a tremendous defeat. To put it another way, he has already made a choice. And it was my feeling that the elements of this choice and the elements of this defeat corresponded with certain elements that produced my songs. And there would be an empathy between the people who had this experience and the experience as documented in my songs. Mm. Which maybe gives a little window into uh, the feelings that Leonard's feeling at this time. Mm -hmm. And that make their way onto this album that we'll talk about soon. Yeah. Um, But so anyway, he loved playing the mental hospital. They apparently loved it too. Uh, 
this one, Henderson Hospital, which is this first one, people knew him, and one of them even requested Famous Blue Raincoat, which of course hadn't come out yet. Oh. Uh, so they were a big fan. Wow. The recording of Leonard Cohen at Henderson Hospital is, I'm very sorry to say, another one that we ought to be able to hear, but we can't, thanks to our good friends at LeonardCohenForum.com. Damn them all. This was part of the uh, copyright release. All the tapes from 1971 were released at the end of 2021 on Apple Music for a couple hours and then taken down. And uh, some people have them and they're not sharing. God, so, that sucks. Yeah. I mean... Well, on the one hand, I was going to say, if they come out one day in some kind of official release and provide money for the creators, that would be good. But then I remembered Leonard Cohen's dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe his children need money. I don't know. Everyone needs money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, despite all of these wild stories of this tour, uh, he wasn't having a very good time and he was extremely self-critical about the whole thing. He didn't think that he was very good at playing live. He didn't think that he mm -hmm. was getting the proper emotions of the songs across ever. Was uh, consistently apologizing to the crowd. Really? Um, even sometimes offering to give their money back. And almost every night afterwards, uh, backstage, he'd be berating himself for what he perceived as his failure. Wow. And so they came back to America and made a very depressing album. Yeah, my God. <laughs> uh, the recording process doesn't sound too bad, actually. Okay. Um, same band. They're used to each other. Yeah. Although I don't see a lot of presence of the army on this record, uh, except on one song. But anyway, they lay down basic tracks quickly and then send them off to a man named Paul Buckmaster, who's an orchestral arranger who's worked with like everybody. Uh, the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, Grateful Dead, yeah. Stevie Nicks, Kenny Rogers, blah, blah, blah. Damn. He adds a bunch of overdubs, and then almost all of them get removed by Leonard and Bob Johnston. Wow. Um, but some of them stayed, and that's how they put the record out. Okay. Uh, and then they put this cover on it. We've got the record here we're yes. looking at. Uh, if you're listening at home, you can look it up online, or you can pull out your record if you got one. Uh-huh. Uh, so we talked about how the first and the second albums had very similar covers or mm -hmm. sort of mirror images of each other, kind of. Yeah. This one's very different. Yes. This is bold. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And we get a, we get a, and interestingly with this album and especially knowing um, what came before this, we got a picture of him smiling. Yeah, that's true. He looks a bit, uh, well, I once ran a music meme page and I made a meme where I had this exact cover, but replaced the picture of him with the picture of Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and he's definitely got a bit of that vibe going. Oh yeah. Although you're I, right. He is, uh, he looks happy. I mean, just to, I, even just on a purely technical level, the first two albums are very much just stone face. Oh yeah. And there is at least something resembling a smile on the front of this. <laughs> who Lips knows? curled who, up. Yeah. Who knows what's behind those eyes? I think you do have a point there. But um, yeah, uh, the the uh, for my money, the font is great, as you said, a very bold. Yeah, takes up most of the uh, cover, and I think yeah, it's, all uh, the letters are being uh, smushed together a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very heavy lettering. Yeah, and um, that's pretty much all it is. It's just these white letters on black background and Leonard's face. 
yeah and that's coming out of it that's literally it there's no um there's no columbia insignia it's just that's true. it's just the words of the album and the picture times are changing mm-hmm. and then the back yeah so this record is not the original release because it didn't even have the track listing at all originally it just had this little excerpt from a leonard cohen poem at the top do you mm. want to read that for us yes it says they locked up a man who wanted to rule the world. The fools, they locked up the wrong man. Hmm. Hmm. And that was that was never part of a song. That was part of a, a poem of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And so, yeah, the original one was just that. Again, big white letters, black background. Same picture of Lennon's face. Yeah. But our version has a helpful little track list. <laughs> yes. In case you forgot. But in a different uh, order. Oh. Right? Or was that... That's very true. Yeah. Just a random order. But Every, is that everything's it, all juggled around? But is that not even the order like on the vinyl? No, I don't think so. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, no way. The it's just the same track listing as always on here. Huh, that's so weird. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm crazy about using the same photo twice. Yeah. I kind of wish it was something different. Well, especially we had such interesting back covers on the last two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That really uh, spoke to the album, especially the second one. Yeah. And yeah, this is just uh same thing again. I like the 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 poem excerpt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know, just leave it black or put something yeah. there. Well, we're lucky we got anything. Um I guess I guess so. Leonard was asking Bob Johnson if he thought they could get away with just putting out a live album of the shows they already did. Oh really? Uh, they had two more in their contract and he was told you might be able to get away with one. But only after you've definitely made a new original record. Yeah. And he did. And it's this and it starts with Avalanche. Yes. Um, I, I want to kick this one off. Please. Um, I want to just read verbatim the first note I put about this song. <clears throat> if you were <laughs> stay with me here. If you were to visit a graveyard at night, go to the lone tomb that resides there and sit in silence with your eyes closed until daybreak. This song will inevitably be heard murmuring in the darkness. Ooh. Yeah. Love this. I, when we were talking about uh, songs of Leonard Cohen, you brought up goth mode Cohen with teachers. And this is a mode that works very well for me because avalanche and teachers are amongst two of my favorite Leonard Cohen song so far. I absolutely adore the song. And uh, I mean, spoiler alert, we have a lot more to talk about, but this is this is my favorite song on this album. Yeah, this might be mine too. I got it. It's uh, definitely up there. And I have a lot to say about it, but I'd like to hear uh, what you have to say first before I go on. Uh, well, I'm glad you have a lot to say. I don't know if I have too much to say okay. about this one, really. I don't necessarily get a big grasp of what it's about. Mm-hmm. Or what it's saying, yeah. but it's got such a moodiness that I don't care. Yeah. Um, the sound of it really pulls me through. It sounds, um, I mean, this whole album in general, but you notice it instantly. It sounds better than the last two in the sense of being like crisper and more full. Yeah. Um, it starts out with the trademark Cohen guitar pattern. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you just get a icicle of a string note coming in oh ice yes Um, yes just shimmering it's beautiful it's piercing and then when leonard's voice comes in after that it's like as full as it sounded yet yeah um it's very sonorous it's great 
Yeah. I love it. And I just am very happy to listen to it for six minutes or what, however long it is. Yeah, me too. I put um, specifically those strings are working over time. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there there tends to be good use of strings on on his albums and his songs, but there there's something about these ones that are just that fits so well with this and what fits as well as you sort of spoke on just then was Leonard's voice. Um, especially when he, uh, especially when he does what I describe as a ghoulish moan at the end of every one of the <laughs> verses where it just descends mm. sort of almost like messily. And it just, uh, it does absolutely everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I did also say, I don't know how to decipher the lyrics. I also don't really know what to make of it, but I definitely, I mean, with my whole like, graveyard description i do have this sort of i can't help but sort of have this sort of idea of like a ghost weirdly mm. or s someone being haunted or something like that the specifics of it no idea um but i also just have my my list of notable lyrics just ones that I don't need to be like picked apart but just ones that i felt needed to be mentioned i do love your pain is no credential here it's just a shadow shadow of my wound i think the whole fifth verse i put here i have begun to long for you mm -hmm. i who have no greed i have begun to ask for you i who have no need you say you've gone away from me but i can feel you when you breathe yeah i was just looking at these ones too i love yeah this idea of some creature who's previously un, been unknown to greed yeah. or need. Yeah. As just, and so this paints the idea of love as just something uh, consuming and terrible and frightening yeah. and not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's also in, in this verse, reading these lyrics, you see all of a sudden that this is basically just a traditional blues structure. Uh, six lines, oh. or like three lines per verse, but it's hidden very well the, yeah the music doesn't sound like that and um for anyone if you haven't heard the album yet um i urge you because because especially with this song me just reading these lyrics like i'm i'm glad to share them but truly they have to be heard in the context of the song to be like felt because with they just work so beautifully with the melody that's put out and i just had one more line and it's the last line and i love this line it is your turn beloved it is your flesh that i wear mm. oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's graveyardy yeah for sure yeah um but yeah that's that's actually i pretty much covered everything i wanted to but i uh i adore that one yeah one day we'll uh have to do an episode where we go through all the best covers <gasps> of Leonard Cohen songs. Excellent. And, and there's a Nick Cave version of Avalanche that is... Ooh. I mean, who would you prefer to do Avalanche? Yeah. <laughs> Almost he, nobody. He's bound to do a good one. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good song. Thanks, Leonard. Thank you. We're off to a good start. Yes. Will it continue? I don't know. Maybe. Of next, <laughs> 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 of next we got a song called Last, Last Year's, Year's Man. Man. What do you think of this one, Ned? Um, it's neat. Um, it was apparently written years before the album, mm. but it must have been rewritten at least a little bit. It's so hard not to see the very first lines. The rain falls down on last year's man. That's a Jew's harp on the table. That's a crayon in his hand. It's so hard not to see this as just being directly about his last album, Songs from a Room. Yeah. Uh, 
which as we mentioned, has a lot of, we called it jaw harp. It's also called a Jews harp. It's the same thing. Well, because I also called it mouth harp. Well, yeah, that's a it, harmonica. Technically. Oh, is it? I think so. I thought, oh, you see, I thought I, I looked up an article and I thought one of the names for it was mouth harp. It might be called that sometimes, okay. but I'm pretty sure that's also a word for harmonica. So it's just jaw harp. Yeah. Or Jews harp. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say Jews harp because I don't know the origin of that f- term. Right. But it sounds maybe a little bit not PC. So I was just going to be on the safe side. <laughs> I believe I did. I did read that there didn't seem to be any actual connection. So yeah, it's it's who knows. Yeah, But Leonard can say it. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a ton of that instrument in Songs from a Room. Yes. And so as soon as I heard that line, especially listening to his albums this way, where we're going through them in order, uh, it was very easy to see this whole song is about, you know, he came out with a couple albums, mostly people liked them, and now he feels that he's uh, no good anymore, and he's just feeling depressed and talentless, and like he was a hack, and so... He calls himself last year's man. Mm-hmm. Last year he had a good album. This year he doesn't. And it's a feeling that anyone who, well, I was going to say anyone who does creative things, but probably anyone who does anything, it's a feeling they can understand very well. Yeah. Like sometimes things are going great and you're proud of what you're doing. You think it's good. You're excited about it. You're excited to share it. And other times nothing's working and you feel awful and you think that you're just a piece of shit. Yeah. And that's just the way of life. Yeah, that's uh, I, I appreciate you um, bringing that to the table because this is one like for Avalanche where I, I find this a very lyrically fascinating song, but I don't really know what to make of any of it. Yeah, I'm mostly talking about the first verse here, yes. I guess. <laughs> because, yeah, well, because especially like throughout the song, it gets into a lot of various sort of religious reference and imagery yeah i don't know what it means for bethlehem to get married to babylon no i don't know what's being suggested there no is babylon a good bride i don't know do you you want to marry babylon i guess i've never really thought about it ned no no have you i don't know yeah she's naked and trembling Mm. and inflaming no that's bethlehem 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 was inflaming like the shy one at some orgy yeah oh leonard (laughs) Yeah, he's a bit all over the place here. Well, I, yeah, on the on the note of that line, um, Bethlehem inflamed us both like the shy one at some orgy. A, f- a memory was unlocked for me of learning in high school the the origin of orgy Ooh. and where that comes from. Do you know about this? No. Okay, so I I have copy and pasted a, a small section of a Wikipedia article in ancient Greek religion, an orgian or the plural orgia, was an ecstatic form of worship characteristic of some mystery cults. The orgian is, in particular, a cult ceremony of Dionysus celebrated widely in Arcadia, featuring, quote, unrestrained, unquote, mass dances by torchlight and animal sacrifice by means of random slashing that evoked the gods' own rending and suffering at the hands of the Titans. Hmm. Now, I don't know how that would tie in necessarily when when it's not really talking about, you know, like Greek religion and customs. But I imagine perhaps with someone like Leonard, maybe he had some idea of that in the back of his head. I don't know. Well, I mean, we've talked about this a bit and it's only going to come up more and more as we go through 
his career, obviously for Leonard, there's a connection between holiness and sex. Yeah. So then if you just add more sex, maybe you can see it as being just more holy is yeah. the silly way to put it. But, you know, no, sure. it's, a, it's a more wild and unrestrained form of worship, perhaps. Yeah. But pointed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I like the sound of the low note on the guitar <laughs> on this song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It sounds so good. I don't know why. Yes. Last time we talked about um, one of the bands saying how Leonard tunes his guitar loose. Right. Um, and this has a bit of that sound, but it kind of sounds tight at the same time. Oh, I don't know interesting. If that's, I think maybe uh, old Buckmaster is just adding a nice little like a uh, crisp pluck on mm. top. Um, oh, maybe. Of Leonard's loose flap and pluck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because um, you kind of hear both at once, but it sounds great. Whatever it is, it's working. Yeah. Uh, so the, this is a note. That that I will relate to this song, but I actually feel overall about the the album. I don't. They're not bad. I think they still sound pretty, but I don't find the um, background vocals as remarkable in this album. Oh, you don't like the children's choir? Okay, I was actually. At, <laughs> I do have a note. Are the singers children? Because <laughs> I couldn't quite. Yeah, but they are in this right. One, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I think I mean I think that's a neat choice, but but what is created is not I don't find necessarily super except for the end. This is um the the humming outro. Yeah, I really. This like is that. my favorite background vocals oh. on this album, except for maybe one song. Okay, because um, I find overall they are a little less remarkable in this album. Mm-hmm. And so this one, I appreciate that they're doing something completely different. Yes, and not trying to sound as remarkable as yeah. they did on the first album. Yes. And this is just uh, adding such a creepy layer as <laughs> the song comes to its conclusion. It's just all of a sudden you get this edge to it. Mm. I think it's really neat. Yeah, cool. You know, Kinley, I was thinking uh, we just come in here and we just do these podcasts without uh, practicing them. But maybe <laughs> we should start doing a dress rehearsal. Oh, my God. <laughs> So the next song is called <laughs> Dress Rehearsal Rag. Thank you, Ned. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is about the cloth that you wash yourself with before you do a show. Whew. No, it's not. You are, uh, you are on fire today. Um, I'm just deflecting, you know? This song is too, this song's too much. This song's <laughs> I need a, to make jokes. This song is such a bummer. Good Lord. Oh, my God. What I find... Weird. I don't know if you agree with me and I don't even know if I'm right. Cause like th- undoubtedly the overall picture that this song is painting is rough, but there's like a little bit of a, there's a little bit of humor in there. Yeah. But it's like dark humor, dark, even for dark humor. Cause it's just all directed at himself. Yeah. Just to bring himself down further. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's a rough ride. Yeah, but I mean the 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 you know, if you're in the mood for for such a thing, the I love the lyrics in this one. Yeah, no, this is a it's an effective song yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, for sure. The the guitar is very um it's very urgent mm-hmm. and it's very tense. And uh 
Again, I think I think Leonard's vocals are really doing some good work on this album. He has like there there's a there's some nuance in this album and he he can Mm. tap into um, the specific moods of each song in a good way. And I think this is a good example where he has a little bit of that sort of reflecting of the guitar sound, but through his vocals. Yeah. Well, I think he's definitely like really feeling these feelings at the time of the recording. He talks about very rarely playing this song live even when it was new because he just uh couldn't do that to himself oh yeah um there are a couple instances but yeah mostly Mm -hmm. he avoided it and fair enough it's crazy to me that um this was one of the songs he sang for judy collins when (laughs) he first sang her suzanne and some others really and she recorded it on the same album that suzanne came out on wow so it's like this was the second song that Leonard Cohen wrote that anybody heard if wow. they were listening to the Judy Collins record. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's so, uh, I mean, it's the opposite song basically. Yeah. And yeah, it's so extreme. Yeah. The 1966 Judy Collins folk singer. You flip to side B, you get through it. You're like, oh, I'm listening to all these nice uh, Beatles songs and things and then it's just dress rehearsal rag so that's that's interesting then so that's like this this song wasn't even written at a specific time and place this is just a sort of I guess mood or feeling that like perhaps granted at different times would always sort of like lives within him yeah definitely well God. remember um, in our first episode I said that before Turning to music, Leonard Cohen was called the golden boy of Canadian literature. Yeah. That wasn't just uh, random words. That was literal. Oh. Uh, He was often referred to those specific words. And so in this song, uh, it begins four o'clock in the afternoon. And I didn't feel like very much. I said to myself, where are you, golden boy? Where is your famous golden touch? So, yeah, I think this is just uh, like I said in the last song. It's just the feeling when you make art of sometimes it's great and sometimes you're terrible and everything is terrible and you hate yourself. Yeah. It's just, I think he's always going up and down between those things. At least for now, we'll see. Maybe he'll uh, find a stable way forward. But yeah, for now, uh, he's in a rough time. Yeah. That's funny because we have the lyrics in front of us now. And as you were reading that, I only just now made a connection to a later song. That's something else I noticed about this album. There are a lot of like references mm. either forward or backward to other songs. This, this one feels very like connected in a way to oh, yeah. all the songs to each other. Was it, but do, was do you it know this what, one or the last one that talks about Joan of Arc? The last one. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know what I'm referring to in this one? We can cut this out. But do you know what I'm referring to? Isn't it? Oh, it's four in the morning. Yeah. True. Yeah. I, and it's the first line. I only just picked up on that. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Judy Collins says, uh, instead of just opening at four o'clock in the afternoon, she says, you wake up sometime in the afternoon, I think, or something like that. Oh, is that right? Um, Which I guess just adds another another little layer of depression into it. Yeah. Leonard might have been up for a while feeling bad, but (laughs) in Judy's version, you're just a piece of shit waking up at four in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I like Judy Collins. Version. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um it's I think the song forced her to be more interesting than Yeah. We've listened so far to Suzanne and Bird on a Wire. 
Yes. Suzanne was decent. Burn a wire was uh, a little. Yeah, I I didn't care as a much little boring. For, yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's got a weird sort of like almost circusy sound yeah. to it. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Still not as good as Leonard's. No. But what you gonna do? Yeah. Um, another line in here that is has an interesting real world origin. He says. Just take a look at your body now. There's nothing much to save. And a bitter voice in the mirror cries, hey, Prince, you need a shave. And this was advice that his mother gave him, actually. Anytime he's feeling low or overwhelmed, he should just take a nice slow shave. Oh. And he'll feel better by the end of it. And he followed this advice all the time. Even once uh, on, I'm jumping ahead in time a little bit, but on the 1972 tour after this album came out at a show in Jerusalem, he, again, was feeling like he was a failure mm-hmm. and he said he couldn't finish the show. He said he was going to give everyone their money back, but it was pointed out to him that the show wasn't very expensive, but people had come from 200 miles away to see him and they wanted to see the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, and he was hiding up backstage and the crowd all started singing to him. Like wow. a traditional Jewish song. And they said, hey, Leonard, you got to come out and play. And he said, I think I need a shave. And just backstage, he slowly, calmly shaved his face while the crowd is singing. And then he came back out and started crying a little bit while singing So Long, Marianne. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank God for a shave then. Thank God for Leonard's mom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's really wild is that this song is already about the darkest song I could name. And then it's got like a little twist at the end. Just to make it even worse. It's like, uh, this is obviously someone who's feeling suicidal. Yeah. And is seemingly about to commit suicide. And then all of a sudden it says, and then the cameras pan the stand-in stunt man dress rehearsal rag. As if it's just, like, I can't see that as anything, but he's like making fun of himself for not even being able to do it. Right. It's just like it's even worse yeah, than wanting to commit suicide. It's like, oh, you stupid idiot. Can't even do this thing right. And it kills me every time. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really devastating song, but... Um, yeah. I don't, like, do I do- like it even? I don't know. It's absolutely captivating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I definitely do. You know, it's just it's it's a very it's a very specific mood. You got to be ready. Uh, well, you got to be ready yeah, for that's it. That's the thing. It's 100 percent worthwhile to have a record of this feeling from someone who is this good at expressing it. Yeah. Uh, both lyrically and as we talked about in the performance. But yeah, do I enjoy listening to it? I mean, I guess I do in a way. Yeah. Because I have been enjoying listening to it as i listened to the album this week this has been one of the ones that i've been listening to the most Mm. but yeah i'm i'm glad that we're going to be moving on to a different album next week right? Um, and i'm glad that most of these songs don't tend to show up on the live albums that we'll be discussing because uh you know i'm 30 i got a life going on yeah busy guy yeah i don't have have time to feel this bad (laughs) yeah well uh, but that's what this album is. We can we can turn the page on on this uh, 
song if there's nothing left uh, for you to say about it i've i've said all i want to yeah all right we'll move on to track four and uh thank fucking goodness for diamonds in the mine <laughs> i mean this is still a really dark song yes however it is performed with a huge amount of verve and energy and it makes this into a moment of respite for me on a very dark album absolutely yeah this one um this one's really grown on me I wasn't, for whatever reason, I wasn't super sold on this one at the beginning. I think because it's such, would you say this is the biggest, out, this has got to be the biggest outlier on this album in terms oh, of yeah. the sound of it. Yeah. So I think that just sort of took me by surprise and I was like, oh, but I'm here for like the, I was, you know, into like the darkness of it. And so I was like, oh, I know. But as you said, the lyrics are still, uh, they still give it to you. And yeah, this uh, is a song I think about uh, how just everything is uh, bad. And maybe it used to be good, but it's all bad now. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been I've also been talking about, especially with uh, Avalanche and with Dress Rehearsal Rag, um, Laird Cohen's voice and how he's able to um, communicate certain feelings. For me, it is his voice in this song that like really carries it. I mean, this is nuts. It's, this is. Uh, I love it. I'm pretty sure the most extreme we're going to hear on this whole journey right live or in studio i think this is tops for just really going for it he's just he's just growling yeah it's great yeah yeah no this is a song i loved uh even way back before i was like listening to full leonard cohen albums it's yeah just, like random songs that stood out to me yeah and i love this one purely because of the shouting mm -hmm. it's like punk it's great uh, yeah exactly yeah it's yeah. it so is and it's funny, too, because the chorus, which is when he goes the hardest, oh. he's accompanied by the guitar. The lead guitar is so light and yeah. airy and bright. And yeah. it sounds so silly, kind of, in yeah. this song. But I love it. It yeah. actually works really well. And you have the background singers as well doing just their lovely yeah. feminine Yeah, this is, this is the one I said was maybe... Uh, my other favorite background yeah. vocals in this album. It's very traditional Leonard Cohen style. Yeah. But it's great. I like how he uh, shouts them out specifically. Mm -hmm. Tells them to what is it, sing it, ladies, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Something like that. It's not in the lyrics that no. we got here. That's okay. But yeah, I think it's after. But what is, is at the end when he says, that's all I got to say. Yeah. I love that. We should put that clip in. That's all I got to say. The second verse is funny. Uh, you tell me that your lover has a broken limb and you say you're kind of restless now and it's on account of him. Just a funny little euphemism there. I feel, I think that's gone over my head. How, how, how so? Oh, I, I think it's, uh, the limb is his dick. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Oh, uh, yeah. That's all. Cool. Yeah, that's good. There are no letters in the mailbox. There are no grapes upon the vine. There are no chocolates in your boxes anymore. And there are no diamonds in the mine. Yeah, solid That's chorus. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's life. That's yeah. how I feel all the time. Yeah. Um, just, uh, it's bad out there. Everything's bad. Yeah, he's keeping it light on this album. <laughs> keeping it light and keeping it real. But that's what's so, f I don't know if the word's funny, but that's what's so intriguing about this song is the the dissonant tone of the music. It's so bright. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I say thank goodness. Like I, yeah, yeah. I need this here. Yeah, I think uh this has been a good a good first side of a record. Mm-hmm. Um and we've got we get such a perfect balancing act here with this song at the end. If uh we just had another six minute downer, <laughs> I don't know if I would feel so strongly about side A of Songs of Love and Hate. Right. Yeah. But we do. Or I mean we don't. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> we don't, I do. Yes. And that's that. That's that. Okay. All right. We did it. Yeah. Well, we did half of it. <laughs> we did half of it. And we'll be back uh, in a couple days with the second half. Yeah. We'll see you next time for Side B. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. See you. See you then, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all I got to say. Yeah.